the Daily Roto Podcast. Tony Cicada from DailyRoto.com. We've got a great show lined up for everybody. And, of course, we've got with us our usual Wednesday guy, Ricky Sanders. Ricky, how you doing today? Doing well. I uh, gave a shot at the DraftKings Million. I stacked Giants. I got a couple homers out of it. I'm just... I'm not going to win the million, unfortunately, for all those who are holding their breath, but uh, I'm hanging on in cash right now, hoping to get a few more hits, and uh, it's been a fun night. You know what's crazy about that is that I uh, I had a busy day, and my kids had to swim meet at 4 o'clock, so I only played one entry tonight over at Fantasy Aces because I'm in the Roto-Grinders 20-day tournament, so I had to put it in. I didn't get... I didn't play in the million dollar tournament. I forgot about it. I uh I felt a little light on research tonight, so I didn't go all in because I've been out all day. It was at the kids' swimming pool at four o'clock for a, a swim meet, and it was uh, not conducive to fantasy success. But if I knew there was the million dollar tournament, I probably would have played anyway. <laughs> well, there were a couple big hits for me tonight. I mean, Josh Donaldson was just an absolute monster and a guy who yeah. I keep going back to the well for against lefties is Ryan Rayburn. And against Wandy Rodriguez, I go, okay, finally he's got to get it done, and he hit a homer. So so that was a, a nice start. What was Josh Donaldson on? At owned 68% of the time last night. No, I think he was about 30%, at least in the big tournament. Uh, I haven't checked cash yet because I've been kind of just waiting it out for Kershaw to pitch. But, yeah, he was only in the 30% range as opposed to 60. Yeah, it was 60, yeah, 68%. That was a huge number. And, of course, we had Josh Donaldson uh, in that one. And the two pitchers I used tonight, of course, were owned by 81 and 63%. Jacob DeGroom with the New York Mets and... Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, but, I mean, those were two safe options tonight. I mean, unless you were in a giant tournament where I decided to go a little contrarian and go with with an Alex Colomay. I mean, I think DeGrom, Salazar, and Kershaw were the top options you were looking at. You could have gone Bumgarner, but uh, he he kind of fell off. But, yeah, I mean, David Price, too, but but DeGrom and Kershaw certainly struck me as the two safest, so I'd be hard-pressed to, you know, tell you you were wrong for doing so. You know what's crazy is I would have I, – I might have took a shot with Salazar and DeGrom, but the rain scared me away from the pitcher in that game. The only guy that I used for a bat in that game was Nick Swisher I used as a, a utility feast on lefty, and, of course, he did get pinch hit for during that game. But I had uh, three players in the Chicago-Toronto game. So I had Josh Donaldson. I was I was happy with that. But I had Encarcion, and I had Kevin Pillar, who went and combined 0 for 8, and uh, Encarcion struck out three times. Well, yeah, it should be, and I think this is kind of a good lesson for those who play the platoon split guys, like the Ryan Rayburns. Uh, Nick Swisher really isn't, but especially Terry Francona likes to pinch hit for guys late in the game. I did not understand this one. Is they pinch hit Michael Bourne for Rayburn for Rayburn in like the seventh inning? I mean, if you're going to pinch hit someone, at least pinch hit someone who could really hit. I mean, I think Bourne's hitting two thirty-seven, something like that, and Rayburn already had a homer and a double. I mean, at that point, why don't you just let the guy hit? But then again, I mean, Rayburn hitting fourth, it doesn't even matter. If the guy's a platoon guy and he hits lefties, when they bring a righty in, they're going to pull him. So those guys come with definitely an extra amount of risk. 
we got a big afternoon slate for people. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Uh, Fantasy Aces, Ricky, have you ever played over Fantasy Aces? I have for basketball. I have not for baseball. Well, tomorrow night uh, in this Roto-Grinders competition, Mike Leone's in it. Uh, a, a lot of the names that you're very familiar are playing, and it's 20 days, and then we take the leaders after 20 days. So you play the same 20 people in a tournament every single night. It's an $11 tournament, and, and it's a GPP. It's about 85, there's 85 people in it every night. And tomorrow night, because there's only four night games, uh, we're actually playing a salary pro, pro format with the salary pro format, you're allowed to go over the salary cap, and you get the points deducted from you. And you're allowed to go under the salary cap and get points added to you. So it's going to be interesting to see the strategy. I thought this was something that should catch on because I think one more layer of strategy, if you're an experienced player, it helps. But what happens and why I guess it's not catching on is if you're a guy that plays on multiple sites, it's hard to adjust from scoring that's different from one site. Yeah, and I've done it for basketball, and it really is interesting, and that's kind of one of the aspects that I haven't fully mastered yet. I, I wasn't sure you know, whether you go under. Obviously, on nights where there are punts, you, you can. But yeah, it definitely has an interesting you wrinkle. Should, yeah. yeah. Baseball, you should always go under because I'm, I'm of the belief that if you can go over, Mike Trout can go over four, you should definitely go on basketball. I think it's different. I think it's totally different. But I believe, and this is my strategy going in, that you should get two good pitchers and then take a shot on a whole bunch of low salary baseball guys because you're gonna think we have an opportunity to get outs anyways. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, it doesn't matter price in baseball, really. I mean, that's right. certainly what you figure out as you go on. So, yeah, I'm on board with that strategy for baseball. Kind of had to think about it, but, yeah, that, that's how I would play it, too. Basketball, I haven't figured it out yet, either. <laughs> basketball, I think you got to go with some of the expensive guys because on most nights, they're kind of guaranteed points, whereas in baseball, you're right. You know, you can hit a ball hard and right at a guy three times, and there's nothing. You listen to Daily Roto Podcast, Ricky Sanders, Tony Scott. Of course, you can check out all the great, great action over at DailyRoto.com. They've got everything covered. they got fantasy golf. And, of course, we've got fantasy movies now. Uh, Matt Berry was on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio today talking about the fantasy movie uh, aspect. So I guess if you were a Pitch Perfect uh, selector this week, you had a great shot at uh, fantasy movie success. Uh, Ricky, did you play in any fantasy movie league? <laughs> I did not, but uh, I think if I did, uh, The Godfather would definitely be my number one pick. Oh no, you have to go with current movies that are playing, and then you, and then you get points uh, based on how many uh, tickets they sell. So I think The Godfather wouldn't sell many tickets this weekend. Hey, you play it at a theater by me, and you give me those retractable seats. It, it would at least sell one. <laughs> Colby <laughs> Lewis and Carlos Carrasco tomorrow afternoon, uh, eight and a half. Carrasco one fifty-five uh, total in this one. This Texas Rangers. I was looking at this tonight with Danny Salazar. Like the Rangers offensively are top ten offensive. If you look at the lineup that they put out tonight against Danny Salazar, I don't know how you couldn't drool and then put Danny Salazar in your lineup. Yeah, the problem is that Prince is 
on another planet right now in terms of how hot he is. So in the middle of the lineup, you've got a, a few a few bullets to dodge. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think Carrasco again tomorrow is, is kind of a similar pitcher and play to what Salazar was tonight with the strikeout potential. The problem is, you know, on the other side, I, like I mentioned, Prince being that hot, I think you could play him too. And it's one of those scenarios where you could actually use the pitcher and the hitter against him, you know, just in case, especially in cash. Oh, you're going to go that way. Just start off. You're going to play both sides of the fence. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm doing it. There's actually a couple other pitchers that I like, especially on one pitcher site. There's one in general. But it's a strategy you could employ, and it definitely is contrarian. Well, one of those pitches you like on one pitcher sites is not Kyle Kendrick or Mike Leak. They go at it. Eight total Leak, a 150 favorite. Yeah, I was looking at this, and I don't really buy the leak 150 favorite. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't struck out more than two batters in any of his May starts so far. And in his last two starts, he's been absolutely hammered. Just looked absolutely awful. 14 earned runs in nine innings. So not only do I think that you could go with a Colorado Rockies stack in a tournament, I actually think you could do it in cash tomorrow. I mean, I think if you go one, two, three, four, you know, Blackman, Tulowitzki, Cargo, and Arenado, if he's hitting four, I think there's a whole lot of upside for a guy who just does not have it right now, and that's not even mentioning the Reds' bats against Kyle Kendrick. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. When you get those Colorado bats out of Colorado, they fall off quite a bit, and I noticed that with some of the totals. Like today's total I thought should have been higher than it was, Um, and then you have an eight total in this game. Uh, Kendrick, uh, he's like so hit and miss. When he he all of a sudden he just puts up a good game and it's crazy, but he doesn't strike anybody. He has ten strikeouts in the last twenty innings. Uh, you mentioned Mike Leake's like a strikeouts. He has three strikeouts in his last sixteen innings. I mean, there's got to be hitters galore in this game. Yeah, the only problem is there's a possibility of rain in this one, and seemingly throughout the whole Midwest tomorrow. So you got to watch the weather report. But if it doesn't rain, I agree with you. I don't. Even though the Rockies, I, I looked at the number last week. You know, even though they'd only played their last four at Coors, they'd gone over on the total like six of their last nine games. So it doesn't matter if they're home or away. I mean, obviously some of the bats are hurt, but tomorrow is a great time to use them when it's, their prices aren't Coors, you know, inflated. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a hand. A hand that will feed you. Feed you cash. Stay tuned for more Roto Experts, Daily Roto, whatever you need us to be. You can call us Wonder Woman. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Daily Roto Podcast. That hand that could feed you is Brad Hand. He takes on the Pittsburgh Pirates tomorrow and Garrett Cole. When you look at Brad Hand and his skills, and you try to assess his skills, that's a guy that's had some bullpen experience. There's a couple uh, Pirates that have some success against lefties, Jody Mercer, Andrew McCutcheon in the past, and he's actually Andrew McCutcheon is actually the most maligned player that's actually doing pretty well if you really look at his numbers. And then um, also he, Kong looks like a guy that has a possibility against lefties. Yeah, I mean, you name the guys that, that I would want. I would doubt Gregory Polanco ends up in the lineup, and if he does, he's certainly not a guy you want to touch against lefties. But really the story of this game for me is Garrett Cole. And I wrote about it in the article coming out tomorrow that – there are two teams in the majors that rank bottom 10 in weighted on base, isolated power, 
and weighted runs created and also a top 10 in strikeout percentage against right-handed pitchers. One of those is the Minnesota Twins, and the other one's the the Miami Marlins. I wanted to call them yeah, the Marlins. Yeah, you know what's amazing about the twin statistics? I was actually looking at that this weekend, is that they are like in the top 10 in all the categories against left-handed bats, and they're in the bottom five in most of the categories uh, against right-handers. Yeah, I mean, if you don't believe in splits, just take one look at the Minnesota Twins and even just, you know, try playing the game each day. Go with their hitters when they play a lefty. Go with pitchers when they play a righty. And you probably would be profiting pretty hard so far if that was your strategy. Marlins are kind of similar. I want all the Garrett Cole who's having a career year in pretty much all aspects, around 10 strikeouts. We know these Marlins strike out. I think he's the play of the day for the day slate. Then you have the White Sox, Blue Jays, Marco Estrada, Jeff Smodgia. Coming off a 10-9 performance today, they get the fly ball. Marco Estrada, uh, nine total here. I don't think the total's based on one day. Jose Abreu's another guy that, you know, first base is always so many options, so it's tough to come out. But I like Jose Abreu in this game tomorrow night. Afternoon. Yeah, I agree with you. The guy I wrote about is actually their other first baseman, Adam LaRoche because he's kind of a home run specialist and he doesn't hit lefties very well. And he's playing in a very home run friendly park against a pitcher who allowed literally the most home runs last season. So if there's ever a time for Adam LaRoche to leave the yard, uh, it's definitely tomorrow. And I guess, you know, the same can be said for the rest of the Sox, you know, Melky Cabrera, Jose Abreu, the ones who hit righties. I mean, Toronto's favored in this one, so they actually like the Toronto bats against Samarja as well. You know, Batista, it's pretty much all all the normals. You know, Batista, Encarnacion. Yeah, I'm so but pissed I... off about Jose Batista. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him anymore. The reason I'm pissed off about him is I love the Blue Jays tonight, and I could have changed things around and put Batista in my lineup, and I didn't put him in because I said, why am I going to put a guy dealing with a shoulder injury? Yeah, yeah, and... I actually find sometimes there's a lot of value in their first game back. You know, they're actually more than you would think are miraculous first game backs where the guy shows always oh, healthy. And I played that Jose Batista card today mostly because he kind of fit where I needed in salary. He wasn't totally elite, and uh, he came through in some places, but, uh, but you know, I only had him in like 20% of lineups. And then, of course, you have Chris Young, Michael Pineda going at it. Chris Young's been pitching unbelievable. This is a game with a seven and a half total, one forty favorite. I just sit out both pitchers in this game and all the hitters. Uh Pineda's a guy if you pitch it on two pitcher sites, they have a possibility, but the Royals only strike out sixteen percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. And the problem with the Royals bats is a lot of them are singles hitters, so there's really not a whole lot of upside. You know, I'd rather go, especially in tournaments with the power upside of some of the first basemen tomorrow especially those in the Jays-White Sox game, so you can't really go Morales. I mean, if you want to go a route of Alex Gordon or one of them, I mean, just the problem is they're pretty expensive on most sites for what they do, so I'm with you. I'm kind of avoiding the whole situation, and I really don't know what to make of Chris Young. He could take a beating, but uh, he's pitched too well so far for me to take that chance. And then again, if you got to go one Yankee, the Yankee to go is Brett Gardner tomorrow. Uh, lefty versus righty, and Chris Young allows stolen bases kind of like John Lester does. Everybody steals on him. Everybody is successful. So if somebody gets on, you can run against Chris Young. The only problem is the last two years, nobody gets on against this guy. 
And the other problem is, I actually just wrote an article about it this week, is that Salvador Perez is one of the better catchers at throwing guys out. Well, I'm telling you, I mean, Chris Young's the worst by far. I don't care if you had, uh, I don't know, who was the greatest throwing catcher ever? Well, Yadier Molina's up there, so you could you could use him as the yeah. example. The problem is he's 6'9", he's so slow to the plate. That like they just it, it 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 is so insane to watch that people run against this guy that the catcher won't even have a shot. Yeah, sometimes it's definitely on the pitcher. It's definitely the pitcher in this one. We'll see how that one plays out. Sean O'Sullivan and Noah Syndergaard going at it. Sean O'Sullivan actually made me laugh for five minutes straight. Uh, just sitting here, and I don't, I don't watch much TV, but I watch the games is about all that I watch. And I was watching a show, and I'm watching this throwback to the pitcher and him get hit in the in, in the throat. And it shouldn't be funny, but it was absolutely hilarious. Like, what the hell? You're a pitcher. The catcher's <laughs> got the ball. Where are you looking? Did you see this play? Um, I think I did, but I just it, I I kind of have the eight box on, so I see things and they don't really register. But you know, now that you mentioned it, I I, I did see it, but it was it, well, I kind of didn't focus on it. It hurt him, too, and it should hurt. I mean, the catcher fires the ball back. It hits you in the throat because he was looking somewhere over at first base. He was pissed off because he threw a ball, and the catcher returned a throw right to him and got him right in the neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that. Now that I think about it, I did see that. <laughs> oh, he's a big crazy. target. He's hard to miss. Yeah, Syndergaard's a 180 favorite in this one, a 7.5 total. Um, there's so many good pitchers. I, if you had needed salary cap relief, I could consider Syndergaard, but I see so many good pitchers in this afternoon action. I probably don't go there. I actually really like him. I, I mean, the Phillies are last against righties in terms of weighted base average. Yeah, they're dead last. And I, I think Syndergaard has the strikeout upside. You know, his strikeouts are 8-3-1 per nine so far. But if you look at his minor league numbers, I actually think there's there's higher to go. And the Phillies do strike out, so so I like Syndergaard. He might not have that complete game upside, but you know, as a starting pitcher too, that's going to cost slightly less than, than the big elites. I, I think he's going to be one of my preferred options, even in cash. Uh, what about what about the resurgent Philly bats? There, uh, Ruben Amaro said today that. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies have a plan, and everybody that's mad, all these Phillies fans that are mad are stupid, and they don't understand baseball. <laughs> yeah, his plan is to assemble a group of aging veterans that still can't hit. I, I mean, I don't. I did see him say that, but you know, I look at that team, and if that's your plan, you know, maybe you need a plan B. To tell you the truth, right, if you're a good baseball, knowledgeable guy and you don't understand, that's probably a good thing, right? Because we <laughs> nobody knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, besides the fact that Michael Franco's playing third, I don't see a whole lot of upside in the future at all. <laughs> I mean, look at that roster. It's still a bunch of 35-year-olds. Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, here's the only thing i got to tell you people about Mikel Franco. The guy can't play third base. Uh, I watched those games. It, it, Ryan Howard's going to get out of town. they got to uh, get him a first baseman's mitt. He can't play third base at all. Yeah, yeah. And if, you, if you're playing for the future and there's some sort of plan, you certainly want to focus on defense. The hot corner is a very important spot. So, so get him out of there. I agree with you. 
All right, so I'm looking at Noah Syndergaard's price on DraftKings. He's $7,800, which is the same price as Michael Pineda. Uh, he's the same, he's 400 more than Phil Hughes. I take that back. Noah Syndergaard's 200 less than Pineda. 7,600. Pineda's 7,800. 8,500's Mike Fires. Jeff Samaja, 8,700. So he does look like a bargain tomorrow for two pitcher sites over at DraftKings. Exactly. Exactly my point is that he's going to not cost as nearly as much as some of those guys. I mean, Samarja's the underdog in a game with nine projected runs, so why would you go that route when you could save the money and get Syndergaard? There you go. We broke it down for you. And in this game, I tell you what, I love both these guys. And Ricky's Garrett Cole is a good pick, but I'll have to ask Ricky why we won't take one of these guys. Seattle at Tampa, 125 favorite is King Felix, six and a half total. Felix Hernandez and Chris Archer. Yeah, one of these guys is most likely going to go off. The matchup for Felix against the Rays is obviously it looks like David against Goliath. Chris Archer, I love the stuff. You know, some of the Mariners do hit right. He's decent, but, you know, it's not really a, a scary matchup, especially at home. I just think. All the the stars are aligned for Garrett Cole, who's going to cost less than Felix, even though, you know, Felix certainly could go off in this one. Uh, but Felix also a guy who's, you know, he strikes out a lot in co- over the course of the season, but he's been around 8-9 strikeout per nine the last few years. So I think on a single-game basis, especially facing the Marlins, I like Cole's upside better, and I like Syndergaard as a value. So, while, you know, I don't feel great about fading this game with two potential aces, I, I just feel better about the two of their chances to win their specific games as opposed to this one, which is kind of a coin flip, you know, as to who comes out victorious, even though they'll both likely pitch well. Archer is $2,800 less than Felix, and he is uh, 1300 less than Garrett Cole. I would play, based on the price, Archer over Felix tomorrow. And that's strictly looking at the price. Uh, and Garrett Cole, it's going to be interesting to have those two. Again, see, there's a couple good bats, like you mentioned, in that lineup uh, for Tampa. Uh, Miami doesn't have many there. So that one's close enough that I, I would go that. But price in hand, uh, I'm not going to trot out Felix, even though, damn, it seems like as a Tampa lineup, uh, that would be an automatic play. Yeah, exactly. It's really mostly salary and just the fact that I think he'll probably be and and almost always is the highest owned pitcher when he pitches. I just I like being in the National League too if it's a coin flip. So I'm going to go Garrett Cole. Again, don't feel 100% great about it. No Felix could throw, you know, a complete game at any point, but uh that's just the way I'm going to play it mostly because of the price. And then of course you had a big, big afternoon game because nothing gets better than Rick Porcello and Phil Hughes, a nine total in Minnesota, and we just said the Minnesota Twins can't hit righties. Exactly, exactly. So if you're go- looking for you know an under-owned tournament option, maybe maybe Rick Porcello is that guy for you. And Phil yeah. Hughes, despite Forget playing it. in that ballpark last year, you know the splits for for whatever reason he was just way worse at home. So you can ignite your typical, you know, Red Sox bats. I love, love, love David Ortiz if you want to go more expensive uh, at first base. If you live in uh, Canada where gambling's where gambling's legal or England and you listen to this podcast, 
Go bet the under in this game. This game's going to come under nine. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, I I think they're mostly focusing on the Red Sox here, but the Twins really just do not hit righties. I don't think the Red Sox are necessarily going to explode. I would be surprised if they get to nine. Giants, Ryan Volgason, Mike Fears, eight and a half total, one fifteen favorite Fears. Uh, Giants hitters get a great, great park upgrade here. The Giants ballpark, when you look at the ballpark statistics, we covered that on yesterday's podcast, home runs, the worst park in baseball, Giants Stadium, and worst in runs. They go to Milwaukee, which is number two in home runs. Yeah, yeah, I like the Giants stack today. I like it slightly less tomorrow with Fears instead of Garza, but I think you know all the guys I used in the stack are going to be viable again. The Iokis, the Branded Belts, the Buster Posies, assuming he's in the lineup, I think they're all viable. But I definitely prefer the Brewers bats in this one. I really have very little faith in Vogelsong's potential, especially outside of his home park. I think Ryan Braun, Adam Lind, you know, Aramis Ramirez, and maybe even Chris Davis is a cheap outfield play. Uh, are the ones to go in this one. I think there could be some homers, and I think they're most likely going to be on the Brewers' side. You know, it's crazy with the whole Chris Davis uh, home run the other day, which they appealed to see if he touched home plate. Would you appeal that if you were a manager? Yeah, yeah, I think I would. I think if it, nothing else to teach the guy a lesson to not be showboating. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not the kind of guy who likes to showboat or likes that kind of stuff in sports. But when a guy's being like that and then almost misses the plate, you know, he deserves to to be out. And it would have been funny if it was. It actually was really, really close. But uh, he ended up, you know, sticking with the homer. And I think he homered again in that game. Yeah. But, uh, he definitely touched home plate the second time. So, so he learned his lesson at least in some form. See, basically why I asked that question is baseball has all these unwritten rules, right, and you don't want to show up people. The guy hit the ball out of the ballpark, and you're going to call him out for missing home plate. I think somebody should have been drilled after that. And as an umpire, you're actually taught not to uh, home plate umpire to basically go and throw the ball back to the pitcher or something and don't watch that play because you don't. you're definitely not going to call anybody out. Uh, so I was interested to see the manager, Bruce Bochy, go to the replay on that one. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is an unwritten rule where the ball goes out. I, I think yours back in the day would have been the logical solution where they throw at someone for challenging that. I see both sides of it, but I agree with you. If the ball leaves the ballpark, what does it even matter? I mean, it's kind of just for showboating anyways, or, or for TV purposes with the guy rounding the bases. It, it it really, you know, it could be softball rules where you hit it out and you just go sit down. There's there's no reason. I hope, to you know what, yeah. I wish <laughs> baseball would get to a point where you could allow total freedom without the pitcher getting all pissed off at you. Like you could do cartwheels around the bases and, you know, <laughs> and, and things like that. Like when in the NFL you score a touchdown, right? They have all these crazy dances and these routines. Well, that would be awesome in baseball. Yeah, I mean there are guys with their with their patented dances. You know, Sammy Sosa used to do the toe tap before every base. Edwin Encarnacion sticks his elbow out. You know, Fred McGriff did the bat flip. I mean, people have done it, but I, I agree with you. I don't think they've taken it far enough yet. There's definitely some new areas that could be discovered in the home run trot. 
Detroit, Oakland, Alfredo Simone and Scotty Kazmier. Seven and a half total, 120. Of course, the big bats in the middle of the Detroit lineup are always appetizing. Uh, but I'm going to stay away from this game. you got a bad ballpark, get decent pitching. Uh, Simone's a guy that you could attack, but we've been waiting for him to fall apart for two months now. Uh, somehow he just keeps getting it done, and I don't see him getting touched up too bad in the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. The one guy that I've been monitoring and who's actually been hitting well lately is Mark Canna against righties. If he moves up from the seventh spot to, you know, even six, I think he's a lot more enticing. You know, Simon's a guy who's kind of been a ground baller throughout his career, 46% ground ball rate. So, you know, some speed guys do make sense. They can hit the ball on the ground and and beat it out like the Billy Burns of the world. But, yeah, I, I mean... I actually do like the Tigers' bats. I usually like them against lefties. Kazmir's kind of a tougher one. I think, you know, Ian Kinsler at second makes a lot of sense with, with not many options. But, but beyond that, it's kind of a, a iffy ball game for me, Whereas I mentioned earlier, I want to get those Rockies' bats in. If you, uh, after his career is over, Alfredo Simon, would you have a show called Simon Says if he was a radio host? <laughs> well, I think I'd stay out of the spotlight considering the last time he was in it, he was being charged with murder. They almost didn't let him out of his country. So oh, yeah. I don't I don't know if he's the next reality TV star, but uh, I suppose if he had a show, you know, it wouldn't be a bad name. But, uh, you know, you don't see a whole lot of uh, guys who, who murdered people getting TV shows. Yeah, yeah I don't think he's too <laughs> intelligent because I think he tried to murder when he – the murdering – the whole plot was he tried to light somebody on fire in a pool. And I don't know if there was water in the pool or not, but that's not the place to light someone on fire. Like, you just do it away from the water. <laughs> no wonder his plot failed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, Alfredo Simone, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. That's a little different. He's still pitching. He's still pitching Tom Brady deflated footballs. <laughs> Alfredo Simone lit guy on fire with the, you know, uh, what the hell? <laughs> Colin McHugh, you follow him it is. Houston Astros, Baltimore Orioles, eight and a half total. Colin McHugh, of course. This Orioles team is feast or family. You got a good park here. They have a high K rate. McHugh can strike guys out. And Ubaldo, one game the next, you never know what you're gonna get with Ubaldo. Like his last start. I couldn't believe how many experts were trotting Ubaldo out there. I wanted a gag. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, anytime I put Ubaldo in my lineup, it's one of those prayer GPP large tournaments just because I don't think many others are going to do it. I agree with you. I mean, McHugh, I don't love his prospects against the Orioles. I, they they just scare me a little bit. I, I mean, I know they are hit or miss, as you mentioned, but I think the best bet is the Astros' power bats because – Ubaldo, good Ubaldo, very good. Bad Ubaldo, you know, balls will be flying out. And guys like George Springer, Gaddis, you know, the usuals will probably be hitting them. Then we go to the night action. I'll tell you right now, I'm paying for pitching in two pitcher leagues. And one of them, of course, is going to be the obvious. Max Scherzer against the Chicago Cubs team that strike out a ton. Now, the win's been an issue the last two days, but no runs have been produced because of it. Home runs have been. See, you know what? I hate people that sometimes do these shows because they, I don't know, they they all have biases. I'm the only one that does it right. Uh, <laughs> you look at <laughs> it was a two-to-one game the other day, right? If you ah yep. oh, the wind concerns. Well, there were three home runs in the damn game, even though there were only three runs. Yeah, and tonight we have home runs too. 
tonight we had home runs too. Yeah, I mean, the problem with the wind argument, especially in Wrigley, is usually the day games are when it, the wind really picks up and really when it matters. I mean, day games in June, you know, middle of the summer with the wind blowing out, that's when the games can get to, you know, 10 to 9. But really, I mean, when it's the wind's blowing out at 15 miles an hour, it's still cold and misty. I mean, the, the, the conditions are obviously a little more favorable than if it were just rainy, but it's not exactly, you know, a, a hitting wonderland like, like some people want to make it. And it's certainly never a hitting wonderland when, when Max Scherzer's on the mound. So I'm really not worried tomorrow. Obviously the Cubs strike out more than any team in, in the NL, so Scherzer should probably be your number one pitcher of the night slate. You just mentioned Wonderland twice. Like, is this Ricky Sanders or John Mayer? <laughs> Did I use it twice? I knew I said it once. I didn't. Uh, yeah. I didn't know the second time. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm doing a show with John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, John Mayer is like it. Think- you know, he's the perfect example of an average-looking dude that gets hot chicks because he sings. <laughs> the one thing I remember about John Mayer, I don't know if you ever watched the Chappelle Show. But they do a thing where uh, that white people can't not dance if someone's playing guitar, and he just starts playing guitar, and all the white people in the bar that they're at start dancing. <laughs> and then Dave Chappelle picks up a microphone, and he starts rapping, and all the black people get up, and that's one of my favorite sketches in TV history. So if you haven't seen that, uh, I'll shoot that over your way, because it's definitely worth watching. Ricky Sanders in a racially divided comedy. <laughs> well, with Dave Chappelle. What were the Mexicans just... doing during this? Like, did someone have to come out and bang some bongos? <laughs> Actually, that's really funny you say that because that's exactly what happened. They come out with some percussion <laughs> and they just start screaming, and the Mexicans start salsa dancing. Oh, you have to see this sketch. Now that we've discussed it, you have to see it. What about the Japanese people? <laughs> what did they do? Did they throw some fish at them and they jumped up and caught the fish? Uh, I don't think there was a. They were in the sketch. I, I have to. I have to look back and refresh. But I think it was just Mexican. We left people the Asians plus. out of it. We left yeah. the Asians out of it. Yeah, they get pissed exactly. off. Exactly. You know those Chinese people. They they they're like building up a drone army in China. They're going to attack us with drones. <laughs> Are we ready uh, I, for that? Are we ready for that? Are you Little kidding space? me? My name. My, my neighbor has a drone. I mean, one flies by every once in a while. We we we're already there. What do you do? You just take out the batteries? Is that how, is that how we're going to stop them? Is that how we're going to stop the Chinese in the war? We're going to take their batteries? <laughs> I think you close your windows. I don't know about the I don't know about the uh, war drones, but I do know about the ones that just film things because that's that's oh. the only experience I have. Oh, so your neighbor has a drone that films things? Yes. Yes. That dude needs to be in jail. What is wrong with him? The sick thing is you could go to a store and buy one for like two hundred bucks now. It's they're they're readily available. Really? Really? Yeah. So we got a oh, lot yeah. of weirdos around with drones. Oh yeah. Now oh, so okay, this is a great story. I remember when you were a kid playing ball in your yard, right? And you always had that one neighbor that was a complete tool. And when you would knock right. the ball in their your yard, they'd get pissed off because you've asked them three times and they wouldn't give you the ball back. So right. if somebody's drone falls in my yard, can I just keep it and say, hey, no. Did I get your drone back? No, no, no. It falls in my yard. It's my property. 
I think so. I think if you want to be that neighbor, you're more than entitled to that if it falls on your property that, that it's now yours. I think that's I the wonder, unwritten drone language. I wonder how the police would handle that. Like I see, like the tennis ball is less than a buck. The drone's two hundred bucks. Like, what do they do? That's a don't good question. Need, I, don't you need a permit or a license to fly these things around, or can you just fly around? I think you're supposed to. I think. I think. Yeah. I, I think when they do it, they do it probably illegally. Oh, I don't like that. So don't drone illegally. There, Daily Roto. This is DailyRoto.com telling you people out there. Keep your drones where they belong. Don't drone illegally. Get a permit. Get a license. Stay tuned for Daily Roto. <laughs> we could do public service. We could be the first to do those. What do you think? I'm in. I'm in. I'm I mean, in. I I'm think. in. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Colmenter, Lance Lynn going at it in this one. Colmenter, of course, absolutely hit or miss. Gets out of that ballpark in Arizona, but against the Cardinals lineup, no shot here. Uh, even at two pitcher sites, we've got two pitchers that I'm just going to load up with, and then uh, um, it, we got like six strong pitches, so you're going to load up with uh, two guys that Colmenter won't come into the conversation. Neither will Lance Lynn. Lynn's a good pitcher, but he struggles against lefty. Seven and a half total here. Just Lynn's going to lose out because we have too many good pitchers in the night slate. Agree with you. I think Peralta's going to end up in the four hole. That's a guy I love playing against righties. Uh, for Colmenter, I think Matt Carpenter is probably the hitter play of the night against him. I think, I mean, I looked at Fangraphs. All of his pitches this year are well below average. Matt Carpenter, just a professional hitter. I think it's one of those games where he ends up with multi-hit, probably, you know, multi-extra base hits, and I like Matt Holiday too. But Matt Carpenter, play of this game. Andrew Kashner, Garrett Richards, San Diego, L.A., seven total. Garrett Richards, a 160 favorite. Love Garrett Richards. It all comes down to me. I'll use Scherzer, and then it comes down to price between Garrett Richards and Zach Greinke. I, I would go with Greinke first, and but if Garrett Richards is on the site you play at, is a considerable savings over Greinke, I can drop down to Garrett Richards. Yeah, I think especially for tournaments. Greinke with a Vegas line, minus 220. Actually, sorry, 225. I think he's a must in, in cash games. I think you go Scherzer and Greinke, and you kind of fill in holes with hitting, and you call it a day. Uh, but yeah, Garrett Richards certainly is a safe safe option. I like him. You know, Padres they do hit righties a little bit, but Richards got elite stuff. I would focus more on Angels bats against Andrew Kashner, who's also a little hit, hit or miss. And you definitely like him better outside of Petco, even though you know Angels ballpark isn't exactly great. But no. Garrett Richards probably the third starting pitcher option of the night, and, and I like some Angels bats. Yeah, Granky versus Alex Wood in the nightcap. You have a Granky two twenty. I got a two forty at this site I'm looking at, and a six and a half total here uh, against Alex Wood, who missed his last start. So I would probably have a lot of Dodgers in my lineup as well, based on what I've seen in this night slate, because we have good pitching galore. We have bad ballparks for hitting as well. Yeah, and a guy I want in my lineup 100%. Another guy who might get pinch hit for later, but is Scott Van Slyke. If he's in the lineup hitting five or six, I think he's a must. He's not going to come very expensive. Howie Kendrick and Rollins are two other excellent options. You know, you could go Adrian Gonzalez, which will be a little different since it's lefty-lefty. But like Matt Carpenter, he's a guy who hits the ball over the field. Hits lefties just fine. So, yeah, I want all the Granky and I want some, some bats from the Dodgers because I – I think Alex Wood has been really struggling this year against righties, which is why he's having a down season. 
and so you want those Dodger righties. Ricky, what can people look for you at at DailyRoto.com? What are you working on? What are you writing? Well, I'm doing the picks article tonight, and then for the rest of the week I'll be doing reviews of – you know, the big tournaments on FanDuel, on DraftKings. I even do, you know, fantasy aces here and there. And then the beginning of the week, we're kind of playing that by year. This week I did the stolen base report on to see which pitchers and hitters are, are worth running on. So next week we'll see what uh, the topic of the week is, but it will be something, you know, unique that you can't really find anywhere else. Oh, that's great. Unique, can't really find anywhere else. That could lead to anything. That is exactly why I stated it as such, because I'm not even <laughs> sure. I haven't even began to think what it might be, but it will certainly only be at DailyRoto.com. And then Ricky uh, Sanders will probably, you probably already missed it, but just in case you go to SiriusXM On Demand, you'll be on SiriusXM tomorrow. Yes, I will. I'll be on bright and early for me in the Midwest, 635 a.m. my time, 7.35 Eastern. I'll be talking about this exact same slate. I'll probably give slightly different info, but uh, be sure to know you'll hear some Garrett Cole and some Max Scherzer. And then, of course, uh, I don't know, do you want to mention your other work that you do, too? Sure, sure. Starting up uh, soon, I'm going to be the site pro over at FantasyDraft.com. You know, it's a daily fantasy website. You know, you play at Fandle, you play at DraftKings, give us a shot as well. Uh, there are some very, very flexible rosters. Uh, once baseball starts, the plan is to go with, you know, infielders and outfielders as opposed to the normal setup. So you'll be able to get all the guys you want in over there. And uh, I'll be giving picks site-specific to that site once uh, we're up and running. You know what's crazy is uh, I'm a guy – it gets pissed off when fantasy sites come out with new things. It's like, let's just keep it the same so we can uh, we can go at it. And I don't have to do research to 42 different sites. But I'm sort of falling in love on baseball on sites that allow roster flexibility because I, 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 I FanDuel like the one site where you you know what you got automatically be a left fielder or you are automatically a third baseman that's not really how baseball works you should be able to play multiple positions and it kills us especially in this game if we want to choose like so many good first basemen each and every night i wish we had the opportunity if we could afford to pay for them in the price to have that so i'm sort of changing my uh stripes per se and liking these sites that allow you uh to put multiple position multiple players from the same position in yeah, well, I really don't like how on certain sites, you know, you have the Jose Abreu's and the Adam LaRoches who both start in their lineups, but yet you can't both start them in your lineup. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. You've got the DH first basements where if you want to do at least a mini stack, you've got to pick one or the other when you like both. So that, that kind of frustrates me, and I wish sites would account for that. And Fantasy Draft is going to. They did for basketball. You know, you could play – Durant and LeBron James, and I love flexibility as a whole. You know, my favorite yearly basketball league is one where you just start ten flex spots and you draft whatever you want. So, so that's that's definitely friendly to me. You can get you know both your third base plays in. It's just I think it's more fun and it makes for more unique rosters. How far do you go with the flexibility thing? Like, do you actually prefer women in yoga pants? <laughs> Wait, say that again. I, you cut out for a second. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure how far you go with the flexibility. Do you prefer women with fle- in yoga pants? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, do you not? That that's that's my follow up. I'm going to answer a question with a question. I mean, yoga pants are the best thing of all times. I mean, sorority girls at school with the white shirt and yoga <laughs> pants, there was no better look than that. They make videos about that stuff, you know. <laughs> what kind of videos? Uh, you'll have to Google them. <laughs> I probably already have. There he is, Ricky Sanders, absolutely getting it done. It's the Daily Roto Podcast. You got everything you need. Go get him on Wednesday. You got to want it. You're the man. Look at the mirror. Say, who's better than me? The answer's no one. (laughs) 